0: at mikecrock.com forward slash book that's mike c-r-o-c.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy and subscribe to the what are you made of podcast on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast platform if you like watching these it's available on youtube at my channel mike c-rock Scirocco. now enjoy the show welcome back to another episode of what are you made of with your boy the unstoppable mike c-rock i got an unstoppable guest in the house a friend of mine, Glenn Lundy. Yeah, that's that guy from the Breakfast with Champions Clubhouse. My favorite place to be in the mornings. Glenn, welcome to the show, bro.
1: Thanks for having me. Absolute honor, man. Absolute honor that you would choose to share this space and time with me. I appreciate you so much.
0: Yeah, man. And look, uh, the energy that you have right now is amazing because you know you get up early, you have eight kids, <laughs> you got your hands full with a lot of things, which you know I, I can relate to. So. I only have two kids though. And you know, I got
1: four X times that dude. I remember when I was a (laughs) part-time parent, that was fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But yours are easier kids. Mine are like really high maintenance and like just bullheaded and hardheaded and stubborn. And so, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so you, you, you come from the car business and you know, you have a podcast it's called rise and grind, right? I do. I do. Yeah. Hashtag rise and grind. And you're a Raiders fan. So this is, this is the intro. I'm giving you an informal intro here. Uh, Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's perfect. So, you hit the uh, nail on the head. We start the show with the same question every time, we get a different answer every time. Uh, Glenn, what are you made of?
1: Bro, um it's a great question, you know. I think I'm made of uh about 40% street because I spent I spent a lot of time in, uh, in in that in my life. I'm made of uh uh, you know, 20% husband, 20% father, 20% businessman and uh 100% child of God, bro. 100% child of God. That's what I'd say I'm made up.
0: Love it. I love it, man. Great More street than
1: husband and father. You notice that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Come on now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you don't ever let all the street come out of you, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's just right. It is. So, uh, you know, uh, the the champions are champions because, not because of the accomplishments, but because of the things that we've gone through and, and, and overcome, you know, and that's, that's what champion means to me. I've read that before. I believe in that. And that's, that's what makes you a champion because you know, I know some of your story, but I'd love to share it with the audience. Take us back as far back as you want to, diapers crawling, I don't even care how far, but I want to hear about where you came from. Uh, I want to share that with the audience. And you know, a lot of people see that you have a successful show. You have a successful clubhouse room, consistent clubhouse room, and people just think that that just happens. They don't see all the work that's going into it. They don't see all the years and years and years that have gone into that show, really, even though clubhouse just came out. Oh, yeah. So Take us back, man.
1: Yeah, man. So, um, you know, I grew up, interestingly, my, my dad was in the uh, military. My whole family was military. I'm the only one that didn't join the military. And, uh, so I grew up that way, you know, traveling around a little bit when I was young and different places. And, and then ultimately my dad being super strict, bro, like we used to have to ask to get a drink of water, ask to use the restroom, ask to take a shower, you know, all of those things. And, uh, And my dad was brutal too, man. He had a heavy hand. He had a really heavy hand. He grew up the youngest of 13 and he just had a certain upbringing that he brought to the table. And so I grew up in that type of an environment and it wasn't until I was 11 years old that my mom decided to get us out of that. And so when my parents got divorced, it was interesting, C-Rock. So my mom is white, my dad is black. My dad, after my parents got divorced, my dad married a black woman. My mom married a white dude. And then my mom and this dude moved into Greenlaw Garden Apartments in Flagstaff, Arizona, apartment number 28. And then my dad and his new bride moved into Greenlaw Garden Apartments at 2600 East 7th Avenue, apartment number 30. So my mom and her new husband in one apartment with me and my sister, and two doors down was my dad and his new wife and her four kids. And they ended up having two more kids together. So every stereotype that you can think of C-Rock existed in these two houses. So I had an all black household and all white household. Dad's house was like loud Motown, gospel, collard greens, fried chicken, Kool-Aid, anything you could think of, right? Kids everywhere. That was dad's house. And then mom's house was like country music, rock and roll. Mom's sitting on the couch whistling show tunes, right? Like it was totally crazy, man. And I was growing up in between these two cultures and my, my parents were serious about it. Friday at five o'clock, C-Rock, my mom would say, she would tell us, y'all gotta be out. Like we'd have to pack a bag and walk two apartments over with our suitcase. And we were at dad's from 5 p.m. on Friday until 5 p.m. on Sunday. We're like, mom, there's, we don't even have a place to sleep over there. like. There's eight kids in two beds. Like, what do you, we, we have our own rooms over here. Can we just at least sleep here? She's like, nope. If your dad lived across town, you wouldn't be staying in my house. So I don't care. He's two doors down. You're going to walk your little tail end over there and don't come back till Sunday. So being raised in this really interesting, unique environment where I had access to both cultures in just a very rare way, C-Rock, it caused a lot of problems for me when I was young because I just faced a lot of identity issues, right? Like my skin was too dark to be white, My uh, uh, it was too light to be considered black. And so I never really fit in anywhere. And I kind of became one of those chameleons that, you know, if I was hanging out with Hispanics, I'd get a little Hispanic accent. If I was <laughs> hanging out with the brothers, I was a brother. If I was hanging out with the rich white kids, I could play that role too, right? I could play any of the roles, the cowboys, the bikers, the whatever, you name it, I could fit in and that led me not having an identity led me to getting into a lot of trouble man a lot of trouble uh, as i got into my later teenage years early 20s you know in and out of jail and uh you know the drugs and the chasing women and all of those things which ultimately uh, led me down a path you know later a little bit later in my 20s it led me down a path of uh of uh you know i ended up really depressed and I ended up, uh, homeless at one point and the homelessness led to hopelessness, hopelessness led to suicidal thoughts, suicidal thoughts led to a suicide attempt where I tried to take my own life. And, you know, all of the, all of those things that kind of come along with this, um, uh, lack of self-worth and understanding of who I was and, uh, and yeah, man. And so, you know, that was kind of me all the way up until my late twenties, my early thirties. And, Had some uh, wake up turnaround moments, like I think we all do in our lives, and and been able to build a pretty solid foundation since then to where I'm at now.
0: And how old are you now?
1: 43.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm 44. So I'm right in that, right in that. I I relate to all of it. 11 was my thing that happened to me uh, with my dad, same kind of thing, broken family every other weekend, child support, custody battles. Then you add the step parents into the mix. People don't remember, like, realize that part of it, the agendas that they have for their lives that they go throw into the pot. And a lot of it's just sprinkled down onto the kids or poured down onto the kids. right? Uh, you know, I, I can relate to that so much. Um, one thing about me, you know, I, I grew up too in a, uh, until I was about 11 in Southeastern Pennsylvania, outside of Philly. And it was a lot of Latino kids and that's who I hung out with. And then I moved into Maryland when I left my dad's house and I didn't know who I was supposed to hang out with because there wasn't Latino kids in, in Chesapeake city, Maryland. Right? Um, it was white and then a minority black student population. And I started hanging out with the black guys and then I got my ass whooped because I must not have belonged in there. So it was confusing <laughs> for me too. Uh, I will tell you though, that what got me and uh, when I was 18, I went to college. I didn't drink at all until I got to college. I was so freaking focused and dedicated to my purpose that I got into a place where I started seeing girls because we didn't have a lot of girls in where I lived and right. parties and, and, and it was so fun at first. Sin is so fun at first, man. Oh yeah. And then my friends started leaving. They started going on their way, and I was stuck with the party crowd—the people that were left over—and hated myself, hated my life. It was so dark. I can relate to what you're saying, man. And uh, that turning point that I had was me and my wife. I've been married 18 years. Like, so what? what was the turning point for you? Do you remember one specific, or was it many? Like, what was the one thing that you can remember and look back on and say, "Man, I, I'm so glad that happened."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, uh, the the biggest thing was, you know, at the end of my little homeless stretch there, and. I did try to drown myself in the Pacific ocean. And when I was literally like plucked out of the ocean and placed on the beach there, I realized a couple of things about my situation, man. I realized, you know, how big the universe was and how how small my problems actually were. That was one of the first things I realized. And then I realized, you know, you take yourself wherever you go, Glenn, every city that I'd been in, every group of friends that I was with, you know, The results always ended up the same, (laughs) me in jail, me high, me drunk, me sleeping with some woman I did barely knew her name, right? Like it was always the same, even though the environment changed, the people changed, the cities changed, all of that. And so once I realized like, okay, wait a minute. So I'm not a victim in this whole thing. Like I'm actually the root cause of all of these problems that I have in my life. Like As soon as I realized that, then the student in me, because I love to learn, the student in me was like, okay, wait a minute, hold up. If you are the catalyst of all things negative in your life, Glenn Lundy, then maybe, just maybe, that means you can be the catalyst of good things in your life. And so I had to start learning like who I really was, I had to get an identity. I had to understand self so that I could figure out where this power comes from, this this ability to create. Where does that come from, right? Why do we have that in us? And that literally sent me on a journey, man. I studied, uh, I read a book called Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard, which somewhat controversial book, and uh, you know it's uh, attached to Scientology. I studied Scientology for six months at the Orange County Church of Scientology. And that, uh, that church, um, Scientology ultimately helped me to understand that we are spiritual beings, not just mind, body, but mind, body, spirit. And uh, ultimately I ended up leaving Scientology. It just wasn't a perfect fit for me and started to explore other avenues of spirituality like Buddhism and Christianity and so on and so forth. And it wasn't until I finally found, you know, I finally figured out whose I was Once I figured out whose I was and my path to spiritual enlightenment, which I know everybody's is different, but in my path to spiritual enlightenment, once I received that, right, that last missing piece of the puzzle, then it was like, oh, okay, okay, all right, I can go from here. So that that was the big pivotal moment for me.
0: Yeah. And you still carry some of the the, uh, L. Ron Hubbard uh, principles with you, even though it wasn't for you to continue on with that journey. Do you still carry some of that and understanding of that and use that in your life? All day, you know, every some day. Some of the maybe. technologies?
1: Yeah, all day, every day. I still yeah. teach. I teach a lot of it too, mm-hmm. right? Um, I took a communications course there that was absolutely phenomenal. And I, I teach a lot of my salespeople and dealer salespeople in the auto world. I'll teach them you know, the art of communication, what that looks like. I also teach a lot about the subconscious mind versus the conscious mind which really if you go back in time strip away all the crazy talk and whatnot and rumors and theories and whatever around scientology strip all that away if you go to the root source this book called dianetics that helps you understand the subconscious and the conscious mind Mm -hmm. it's really impactful man it's really impactful and everything that was built after that, you know, whatever, man, I, I have some, some of my nearest and dearest friends are deep, big time Scientologists, and mm-hmm. I love the way they live their life. I love their philosophies and their strategies. Uh, it's just different for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't for me. It works for them. And so I follow the things I learned in that six months of my life, Sea rock have literally been like instrumental in me being able to build my own business and now have a relationship with my wife that we've been married for 10 years and be able to be a good parent, a good father. All of those things really came from that six months initiated by that six months of study. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah. um, I I don't know if you know this about me, but I was one of the fastest to get through Dianetics and the course and all that. So (laughs) I'm a a Christian. I grew up in a uh, Catholic church. My mom introduced me to Jesus when I was five. Asked Jesus in my heart when I was five. And uh, from there, you know, I've had my ups and downs like we all have, but never truly lost the relationship. And I have a great relationship with, with Jesus now, um, but I still study, man. I still study. Right. I, I believe in bringing everything I can into my, my mind to be able to determine what I want to put together and so that I can thrive for other people to exemplify what it takes to keep accomplishing. And, you know, one thing, Glenn, I look at is I think we're naive to think that God put us on this planet with limited in, you know, intuition, limited spirituality, limited, uh, abilities. Now physically, you know, I'm five, six and three quarters. I'm almost as tall as Grant. He's not as wide as me. Um, but, <laughs> but, but uh, physically, yeah. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I think we're naive to think that we're limited on anything. And I don't want to, you know, when I wake up in the morning and you talk big about, uh, morning routines and when I wake up in the morning, man, it is my duty and job to give everything I got to what God's given me. And I'm gonna use every resource available to me. And I don't worry about, you know, I share everything because some people tiptoe around religion and, and what their thoughts are. I don't care what people think. I'm more concerned with what people experience with me. And right. they're the same way. I, I can see that with that. 100%, so,
1: man. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, who, who are we? I just wanna put this out there since we're on this discussion. Who are we to put the God of the universe in a box? and say that he can only teach this way. He can only teach through this method. Like, I think that's nonsense to me. Like yeah. if we wanna put ourselves in a box, put yourself in a box, but yeah. the God of the universe can do whatever the heck he wants to. And yeah. if he wants to bring me to spiritual enlightenment through a freaking Dianetics book, then that's what he's gonna do. If he yeah. wants me to, to bring me to him through uh, the church of Scientology, that's what he's gonna do, right? Like we, we don't get to choose our path to spiritual enlightenment and i really i don't want to say i take offense because i don't take offense to anything but when people try to take my god like my personal belief and stick them into this little tiny box i'm like bro you need to back up because yeah, that, yeah. that's not a conversation i'm interested in having
0: yeah now talk about that uh, offense think about what a kind of world we would live in if people didn't get offended you know <laughs> like I think that's true freedom when you don't get offended by anything. Like understanding that when people say stuff, they're really talking about themselves. Right. And you should feel bad for them maybe and offer a hand to those people instead of getting offended and all worked up about it. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives guys. I will not let you down now back to the show. You know,
1: right? so what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, again, or not again, but I, the way that I grew up, I am blessed to be able to see things through other people's eyes, right? Growing up in different cultures and I've been in and out of jail and homeless and all of those things. And so I what you just said is probably one of the uh, most important things that that anyone can could learn is that when someone is speaking, they are sharing their experience, theirs. They see they can only see see the world the, the way they've seen it. Right. And their experience is completely different than yours. And no one's is better. No one's experience is better than anyone else's. So, yeah, living in a space. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, a friend of mine the other day made a post on, um, or shared a post on social media that was talking about the biblical, biblically defined sin of homosexuality, right? And my friend shared this post and my friend came to me and said, Hey, did you read this? And I said, yeah, you know, I, 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 I looked at it and, uh, and they said, um, they said, well, what'd you think? I said, well, first of all, I, I, I thought it was kind of weird that you shared it. And they were like, well, why, why would it be weird that I shared it? I mean, it's, it's a Christian look at why this is sinful and so on and so forth. And I said, well, let me ask you, are you homosexual? They said, no. I said, then who are you to speak on what they feel? Or their like, I will not speak to anyone about their sin. <laughs> Like, I'll speak on the things I know. Yeah, I'll speak exactly. on the, like, I can talk to homeless people. Mm-hmm. I've been homeless. I can talk about drug use. I've, I've been a drug user. I can talk about uh, uh, having kids out of wedlock and sleeping with random women. I can, we can talk about all those things that I can tell you my perspective on those things, but I can't tell you my perspective on homosexuality. I'm not homosexual, right? Mm-hmm. Who am I right? Who am I to speak on that? And so my friend was just kind of like, yeah, but, but. I'm like, no, yeah, but. It's like, you know, it's not, it's not even just a matter of he who is without sin throw the first stone. It's even further than that. Don't speak on something you are not if you haven't experienced it, then you have no right to tell anyone else how they should feel or how they should experience it. That's my belief. So not taking offense to things that you know nothing about, I think that would the world would be an amazing place if we could do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my my thing is to just love everybody, man. Yeah, just, man. just just love everybody. It. What can I do to help you today? What can I do to make a difference and elevate you. And if you decide to do things a certain way, it's up to you. And if it works for you and elevates you, great. If it doesn't, then let's switch it up and figure out what works to elevate you. That's it. You know, so many people have their minds shifted based on uh, other people and other people's opinions. And they're so easily swayed with the wind, man. And oh, yeah. uh, so I have a- I have You a know word. what I
1: think it is, C-Rock? I think that people feel like, people feel like in order for them to be right, someone else has to be wrong. Yeah right? Yeah. It's almost like uh, Grant Cardone talks about abundance, right? He says that everybody can win, right? There doesn't have to be a loser, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like if I take a $1,000 that someone else has to lose $1,000. It's not how it works in money. And that's, I think that we've built a culture and a society where people feel like, like I've had people message me uh, since Breakfast with Champions. I've had people message me and say, Glenn, you have to take a side, like you have to support the the black movement, you have to support black lives matter. If, if you're not with us, you're against us. And I'm like, whoa, I don't, I don't see the world that way at all. Like there doesn't have to be someone wrong in order for someone else to be right. You and I can both be right. See rock. Mm-hmm. We can both be right. Even though we might disagree. We can disagree about something, but still both be right because your experience and your perspective is based on your, on how you like on your life and my experience and my perspective is based on my life. So what's right for me is right for me. What's right for you is right for you. You don't have to be wrong for me to be right. And I don't have to be wrong for you to be right. And I know that can get complicated for some people, but that's just the way I see
0: it. it. Your truth, your truth is some, just a story that you tell yourself that you can live with. That's, it. That's what the truth is. Now people think, and I used to think the truth is a fact, fact. And you got to argue that. And you got to be right, man. You got to be right more than successful, <laughs> more right. than elevating yourself. And at the end of the day, like even in sales, we know this, the best thing to do in sales is agree with someone. <laughs> Get on a common playing field with them, connect with them. And uh, yeah. So uh, when I started, stopped worrying about being right all the time and worried about being successful and elevating me and myself and others, everything changed for me as well. So yeah. And I'll tell you, like, (laughs) I don't know, man, I just think loving people, man, (laughs) that's what it comes down to. Like, it's very simple. And, uh, you know, for me also, if when I wake up in the morning, I have a clear picture of what I want in my life. Right. And this is what I teach people and I work with people on, and I know you do too, but clear picture. And then you make decisions, binary decisions towards or away, building or destroying. It's very simple, making life simple. Uh, And then, you know, The other thing is, how do you feel, though, when you see somebody that is maybe not speaking an opinion, but being disrespectful about speaking up, you know, and there's a line there as well, right? Because, you know, when it comes to respect, somebody saying to someone, disrespecting them or being out of line in that manner. I used to be a regulator when I was in college, man. I would be the first person to jump into somebody's face if I saw them disrespecting one of my friends or <laughs> sure. Would, I'm not proud of this, man, and I, and I you know, but I would I would just hit somebody if I knew something was going to go down. And uh but nowadays it's more about, you know, if you're in a room or you're somewhere with someone and somebody's being disrespected, just trying to speak up and 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 stick up for someone, but also diffusing the situation and just getting out of the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100% man. I think it's important that level-headed open minded humans step in a little bit more.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. So <laughs> right. So, so instead of just watching the uh you know, watching the um you know, for example, uh, you know, the the uh the debates, right? These political crazy debates, you know you see these two children going at it, calling each other's names. And like, it blows my mind. We we have anti-bullying campaigns all across America, right? (laughs) Billions of dollars, I'm sorry, hundreds of millions of dollars are being poured into anti-bullying campaigns. And then we show the two people that are running for president, literally like calling each other names and bullying. That's all it is, is bullying. Political campaigns are all about bullying, talking trash about the other person, belittling the other person, making them feel you know, less, less, less worth. And so I would love it if we could find, um, all of the, uh, all of the people that love people like you and I, you know, the, the people lovers, if the people lovers of the world could just maybe speak up a little bit right there in the middle and, and not say you're wrong, you're right, but just say, Hey, you know, right now you're at a 10, we need you at a two. Let's, uh, let's talk about this and to actually value, allow people to feel valued. Allow people to feel seen, heard, and significant. That's the key. Allow them to feel seen, heard, and significant, but do it in a civil way where we're, we're, we're human to one another versus uh, you know, everything having to be a frickin' fight. You said heard,
0: that's a big one. Listening, you know, if people would listen more. No doubt. Just, you know, hear that. So, so how do, uh, what, like when you're by yourself, what are some of the thoughts that go through your head and, and, and the talk that you talk to yourself about? Oh, like, my so. gosh,
1: dude. It never turns off, man. How long we got on this podcast? Yeah, I know. Bro? I know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, uh, I really believe we have a born on date and an expiration date. And uh, that dash in the middle is impact. That's the meaning of life. People say, what's the meaning of life? I believe the meaning of life is the positive impact you have on others that's the meaning that's the meaning of life to me and so in my head in my thoughts um if i'm being lazy right and here's what here's my definition of lazy just so everyone knows lazy is when you're doing when you're not doing anything that moves you towards your best vision of your life okay that's lazy to me Lazy's is not defined. You know, you can't say just because somebody hangs out at a beach every day that they're lazy, right? Maybe their desires to be a freaking surfer or maybe their desires to own a bar on a beach one day. I don't know. Everybody's perspective is different. So when I find myself doing like literally nothing, not sitting on the couch watching a movie with my kids, that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm investing yeah, yeah. time into the children. You know what I'm saying? But when I find myself doing absolutely nothing, um, those are the types of things that will race through my mind. It's like, who's losing right now because you're not winning? Who are you supposed to be making an impact in their life right now? And you're not because you're sitting around here freaking doing nothing. Like, can you call somebody? Can you send out a text that just says, hey, C-Rock, was just thinking about you, man. Just want you to know you're a freaking great guy and I'm cheering from you. If there's anything you need, let me know, right? Like, there's so many things we can do in such a connected world right now that doing nothing to me is the only option we don't have. Like do something, yeah. send yeah. a text, send a Facebook, stand up, work out, take care of your health, eat better, do, do something that moves you towards the ability to make a, a bigger impact on, uh, with your life on this planet.
0: I think it's, this might be controversial too, but I think it's evil not to go mm. in for your potential. Yeah. You know, there's good and there's evil. And uh, I think that, that it's that bad to me Now, do you feel the same way sometimes where you feel like you're not doing enough? No matter how many accomplishments, how many people say, Glenn, you're killing it. When I hear C-Rock, you're killing it. Like, that's a sign to me that I got to be careful because I don't want comfortability and complacency to set in. And every morning I get up, I'm obsessed. Like, I'm not doing enough. I got to do more. Not get more, but I got to do more. Right. You ever had that feeling?
1: Oh, dude, 100%. You know, I believe that we are most comfortable in life right before death. And I experienced this when my, when my grandfather passed away, he died from cancer, and uh, I won't go into the whole story, but I watched him pass away, and when he passed away, he was comfortable. The moments before, he was in pain, he was sick, all of those things, right? But there was a brief moment, it didn't last long, but there was a brief moment just before he passed away where he was comfortable, the pain all, all, pain all went away. And so I recognized that, and I noticed that a professional athlete that gets comfortable Gets fired. A husband or wife in a relationship that gets comfortable, they end up getting cheated on or they get divorced, right? In our jobs, if we get comfortable, right, we're like, we just think that that check's going to come every two weeks, that's when we freaking get fired, right? Like, we are most comfortable in life right before death. And so, anytime I find myself comfortable, like what you're talking about. Oh, you're doing great. You're killing it. Everything's freaking amazing. I'm like, nope, I'm not ready to die yet. I still got places I want to see. I still got people I need to impact. I still got stuff I got to do. So let's freaking go. What can I do today? What can I do today that is the most uncomfortable thing for me? What is the one thing I really don't freaking want to do? I'm going to go do that right now. Because I want to stay in a constant state of uncomfortableness. Because yeah. that's where the growth exists. Yeah, baby.
0: All right, final question. Before I do this final question, though, uh, where's the best place for people to reach you? Uh, Clubhouse?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Easiest thing to do really is uh, I wrote a little ebook about the morning routines. I think they're really important. So if you go to themorning5.com, you can download my free ebook, uh, The Morning Five Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Life. It'll tell you a little bit more about me plus you can get something out of the book it'll help us get connected and
0: then of course that'll connect you to all my other social medias and so on and so forth great go get it guys go get it let's support glenn like we do all of our guests uh you know the rocket fuel law i created you know law is a law because it works right i had an interview with grant back in april of last year and uh i talked to him about what's it going to take eventually to get into outer space what I meant by that is he talks about gravity a lot and that the suppressors that pull you back. And that's why you have to have a graph that's always on the uptick because life will happen. Gravity happens and pulls you back down. You cannot have a flat graph. It'll fall. And he said, I don't know. If people are really ready for that conversation. They don't know they don't want to hear the answer to that. You know, and I, I started thinking and I'm like, well, we got to get into outer space, man. The only thing I know to get us into outer space is rocket fuel. And how can we get there? We can take all the garbage that comes our way. Negative, letdowns, discouraging people, screw ups of our own. And we store it in our tank instead of our trunk, where it weighs us down, where most people store it, so that we can convert it into rocket fuel to become unstoppable. Now, I wrote the book about that. Grant wrote the forward, and he wrote an awesome forward about what that that means to him. But I added something recently, and I got to do a second book now because of this. But there's a line of demarcation, I'll call it. At some point, when your engine goes from being a, uh, I guess, I'll say a Ford Focus, no offense to anybody that's driving a Ford Focus, but it just doesn't need the same fuel as a Ferrari or Lamborghini there's a a line of demarcation at some point where your engine gets upgraded from the work that you do to yourself, from your experiences or whatever. And it needs a cleaner fuel. It needs a higher octane fuel. So at that line, you stop using all the toxicity of the past. You start using the stuff that you're going for in the future to pull you forward. All the things that you want to accomplish, all your goals, all your targets, they start pulling you instead of pushing you. And so uh, I got to add that to the book, but what does that mean to you the past part, and then hitting that line of demarcation where you're starting to get pulled forward instead.
1: Yeah, when you, you know, I think it's important that everyone, excuse me, sorry about that. That tickle no came up. Quit. You know, I believe, let see, Rock, I believe that there's a divine plan, right? That we are spiritual beings, not just mind and body. And in that divine plan, there are certain things that have to happen in order for you to create the scars, the calluses, the bumps, the bruises, the scrapes, that are ultimately going to be needed for you to be able to leave your mark on your next generation, on the, on, the, on the legacy that you're gonna leave, right? So for example, my dad, hard-handed, rough dude, man. Rough, rough dude. And I went freaking through it. And I would never do that to my kids. I, I would never treat them the way that he treated me. But at the same time, if you think about that, him treating me that way has now created the life that they have today where they are getting poured into. And I don't know what plan God's got for them, but I know he's got a plan. You know what I'm saying? So everything had to happen in sequence in order for me to end up in Kentucky, meet my wife, have these seven babies that her and I have had together, eight babies total, but to have them and to be able to pour into them the way that I'm able to only came from my dad's decisions 40 years ago, right? Does that make sense? And so that fuel, is required all of that sticky nasty messy volatile stuff is required to propel you to a certain point now here's the problem a lot of people stay right there right they keep all that sticky fuel whatever they they allow it to hold them back and just like uh anything else you'll flood it right you'll flood the engine if you keep giving it gas, at some point you've got to let it go so it can do what it's designed to do. And so I think it's a combination of explosions are er are needed early to get you where you need to go, and then ultimately you have to use that momentum now, right, like you're talking about, to start really reaching and stretching. Remember that it's there, but allow the momentum from it to carry you towards those new targets and aspirations.
0: Love it, baby. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Glenn. Uh, you know, If there's anything you ever need, I'm always available. Hit me up. I just appreciate you. I appreciate the space that you've given everyone. It's just been obviously life-changing, as you've heard from many testimonies from people that have been in the Breakfast with Champions. And uh, I'd be happy to contribute anyway, anytime you need it. So thanks for coming on today. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Searock and the unstoppable Glenn Lundy keep coming back, subscribe, go to the YouTube channel. We're putting up more content talking about tech now, non-tech entrepreneurs. You can be in tech. Go check it out. Mike C-Rock, Scirocco. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikesirock.com, themikesirock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential.